Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. We are excited to be welcoming each and every uh, one of you back to the Maroon Mike. Of course, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your co-host, Lounge Dog. And like I said, just excited to get back with you. Ready to preview what should be a very exciting week of football uh, in the SEC and in uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, Going to talk about... Uh, Picking the SEC games here at the end. Going to talk about keys to game to the game here before that. But real quickly, going to get right into what you can expect from NC State and what this uh, rivalry has meant uh, over the last couple years, or the last few decades, I should say, not couple years. We haven't seen them since 2015. Um, both of these, you know, I think these are two very, very, not only similar football programs, but similar schools. They both, I mean, right down to the fact that they both go by state. They're both land-grant institutions. They're both agricultural schools. Uh, they're tied all-time in, in football meetings. We're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, and This will be the tiebreaker in the seventh overall meeting. Uh, and, of course, with the whole baseball thing that went down this summer, uh, everybody is excited to have NC State uh, join us on campus. I know the NC State fans are excited to be here. No – no animosity in between these two groups. You know, this is far from the Egg Bowl. I think everybody respects each other, and everybody, uh, you know, it's one of those things where both teams could win. You would like to find a way to do that, but, of course, that can't happen. Yeah, I'm about to say, that it's uh, one of those friendly, like they said, rather be, be us if it wasn't them. I mean, they just... I heard a few baseball players will be at the game. I hope so. I hope uh, maybe some of theirs and some of ours could get together uh, during the game. I'd love to have five or six of them on the field together. That like you know honored or something. That'd be. I don't think they can do that. The, the baseball team will be back to be honored uh, later in October on, during football game for their national championship. But gonna tell you a little bit about NC State as a team. They return 18 starters. Uh, so very similar to Mississippi State. On paper, Mississippi State doesn't return that many starters. But by the end of the year, when you look at who was playing, we actually returned 17 starters. Of course, you lose two offensive linemen. And you lose uh, Errol Thompson, Kobe Jones, and Marquis Spencer. And even then, Marquis Spencer didn't play the last two games. So uh, very similar in that respect. Uh, last year kind of in the same kind of middle-of-the-pack defense that we had. They gave up 416 yards per game, um, 241 through the air and 175 on the ground. Uh, 175 yards on the ground is surprising because, believe it or not, this is how deep the uh, similarities between these two teams go, Lounge. It's very creepy. They also run a 3-3-5, one of the only other Power 5 teams to do so. Um and you, we know that R three three five is very, very good against the run, and they gave up 175 yards on the ground. But there, it is different. Just because we run the same uh, base formation doesn't mean the defenses are are quite the same. Theirs is very, very different. Uh, so what we will we, we'll be very interesting to see how that plays out offensively um, for both teams when they're going up against an odd scheme, but that each team might be familiar with. Let's see. NC State kind of talking about defense here, but we'll talk about offense here in a second. 32 sacks last year, which is a, a good a good amount. Only 10 turnovers forced, which is not a lot. Now, they did have three last week, but gave up just 23 points per game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, of course, they don't play uh, Clemson last year, 
Um, they did play Miami and North Carolina, and they gave up a ton of points to them. Gave up a ton of points to Wake Forest in their season opener. Uh, but they, they played Liberty, but they did play some bottom feeders in that league, like Duke. Virginia Tech wasn't very good last year. Um, Pitt was even uh, on the season last year, some of those teams. So not very much a uh, world beaters by any stretch of the, of the imagination, but a solid team last year uh, nonetheless. Not a, um, They were, I believe, 8-3. and three. Make sure that's right. They lost to Virginia Tech. They lost to yeah eight or no eight and three, and then they lost the bowl game. So they ended up being eight and four. So that's where that I was going to say. I knew there was another loss in there somewhere. Um, but like I said, very solid team last year on offense. Three hundred eighty-six yards per game last year, which isn't just a ton. Um, they were definitely more of a defensive team, but they were pretty balanced. One hundred twenty-three yards rushing and two hundred sixty-three passing. Scored 30.25 points per game. So from a yardage standpoint, they're similar to us. But from a point standpoint, they're about a touchdown better last year. And, of course, that happens with when Mississippi State has 25 turnovers and uh, go on deep drives and that were killed by penalties. It happened all the time. 19 turnovers offensively for NC State last year, which is a little bit more than you would expect. Uh Something they did really good last year is they won a lot of close games. They're very experienced. Like I said, they're returning uh, 18 out of 22 starters. And just another tidbit before we get into the nitty-gritty about them, they passed a little bit more on the road than they ran. A little bit odd. Not by much, but um, I guess that's a factor of playing from behind more often. Although one of the games they lost uh, was at home, and another game that they lost was at a neutral site. But just something interesting there. Had one game that stood out, their pit game stood out among, as, as a, uh, from their quarterbacks. They had two quarterbacks that played most of the year last year. From a passing standpoint, their game with Pitt had a lot more passing uh, attempts and passing yards than most of their other games. It was actually quite odd how that one game stood out as a kind of an outlier. Now, North Carolina State played USF last Thursday. So we're going to talk about USF a little bit just to give you a, show you how much how little of a picture this actually paints for us. From not 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 from a scouting or film standpoint, I'm sure there's plenty on film. I'm not. I don't think NC State ran their more exotic stuff, but they didn't have to against USF. But we're not going to be able to tell much from USF. They went one and nine last year. They won their season opener against an FCS team and then lost the rest. Now some of those games were close, but not until the final game of the year did USF have a hundred yard rusher, a hundred yard receiver, or a three hundred yard passer. They had all three in the very last game somehow. They had a four hundred yard passer, but didn't come close to that in most of their other games and never never surpassed that in any stretch of the imagination. So not a, a ton of any playmakers on USF. So again, don't really not a great measuring stick for NC State. Last week, um, NC State defense held two quarterbacks. They couldn't really decide who to play because both of them were playing poorly. Held two quarterbacks to 14 of 33 uh, yards, uh, excuse me, 14 of 33 completion for 167 yards, three interceptions and no touchdowns. Um, something weird about USF that just really makes it confusing from a statistical standpoint, judging NC State's defense. USF had six guys carry the ball at least three times, but nobody carried it more than eight times. So they've got 12 running backs, it seems like, back there sharing the ball. Um, nobody had uh, a ton of rushing yards. They were held at 3.3 yards per carry and 5.1 yards per passing attempt, which if you're NC State, that defense is a very, very good mark, um, especially for the passing yards. Uh, the rushing yards are a little bit better. Now, there was some big plays to be had. USF completed um, three passes of 20 yards or more, so there was some explosive plays. 
Uh, but NC State, although they gave up those big plays, they forced turnovers and they totally kept USF in check the entire game. I think there was a late scoring threat from USF where they got down in the, into the first and goal and uh, NC State stood tall. NC State, interestingly enough, they did have a lot of hurries and a few tackles for loss, seven tackles for loss, but no sacks. Don't find that interesting. That's for, coming from a, a Mississippi State team that had one sack last year, although a lot of hurries and some tackles for loss. None of these teams had a very impressive pass rush in week one. Interesting to see how that comes into play um, next week, uh, given that the offensive line struggles that Mississippi State has had. Um, NC State's offensive line is very experienced, so you might run into some trouble there. Speaking of that offensive line, USF did have one sack and three tackles for loss against that offensive line. Here's what I want everybody to know about NC State. Uh, they're mostly a rushing team. They want to run the ball. You hear a lot about balance, and their coach talks a lot about balance, but they're really skewed towards the run. In very, in very few games, are they 50-50? Actually, I did the math. In nine out of 12 games, they ran more than they passed. And of those three games, they're either coming from behind or it was that pit game. I don't know what happened there. That, that was a game they won by one point that they passed all over the place. But they ran more than they passed, and they did it last week. They had 27 dropbacks and 40 rushes. Most of their yards came on the ground. They rushed for 293 yards as a team last week. Uh, and those carries are spread out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Their quarterback, he was a semi-starter kind of in 2019. He started the second, third, fourth, and fifth games in 2020. He missed the first one because of COVID and missed the rest of the season because of an injury. And then he started last week. He was 17 for 26 last week with two touchdowns and an interception. I think he's a very, very good game manager type quarterback. Um, he's not uh, going to kill you with – he had a lot of deep passes last week against uh, USF. He had three actually. But he's not going to – be the reason you win the game by himself. You know, he's not a he's not a Tua Tagovailoa. He's not a Joe Burrow, I don't think. Um, but he is not going to give the game away from what I've seen. Although they're a rush first team, Leary has delivered when they needed him to. I mentioned that pit game. He had 336 yards and four touchdowns and no picks and a one-point win. I mean, that's just onions right there. He's only thrown, though, for more than 250 yards one other time, and that was in 2019, his freshman year. So he's, they're not asking him to air the ball out a lot, okay? They're not asking him to get out there and get on 350 yards uh, through the air and spread the ball around to 12 receivers. It's not, nothing like the air raid. He has a 53% com completion percentage for his career. Now, a lot of that's because he had a less than 50% percentage in his freshman year. He completed 60% last year. And he's not really a running threat. He had one rush last year. I think his rushing totals of his career are negative. Um, so he's getting sacked more than he's rushing. Uh, for I, I'm on. Well, I lost my internet. I was about to double check that just to see what happened, but now there is no internet in this building. What on earth? Good, good word here. Well, I guess I won't be checking on any stats during this. Uh, I had internet when I got on this list because I wouldn't be able to, to have gotten on this list without it, this needs notes. Well, that's how that goes. All right, moving on. Their most dangerous part of the NC State team is their two-pronged rushing attack. You got Zonovan Knight, they call him Bam Knight, Bam Knight, and Ricky Person Jr. Very similar running backs. It's not like one was uh, – it's not like one was – is thunder and lightning, you know, one's the heavy hitter and one's the uh, the shifty guy. 
Um, Knight is a little bit faster. Ricky Person is a little bit bigger. He catches a little bit more balls out of the backfield too, but they're very much the same animal. Um, they went back and forth as the leading rusher last year. Last week, Knight had 16 uh, carries for 163 yards and a touchdown. Person had 16 rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And each of them had a couple catches, and Ricky Person had a, um, a, receiving, a long receiving touchdown as well. So they do like to find the running back out of the backfield, but that's going to be the most difficult aspect of, of this um, defense, or excuse me, of this offense from NC State. Mississippi State is going to be really good against the run like they always have, but this is a, a great rushing team with an experienced offensive line that has uh, two really good running backs. Going to be difficult to slow down that threat. Probably one of our biggest tests in the running game aspect you know, since Alabama last year, uh, you could argue since Ole Miss or, you know, Kentucky likes to run the ball, but I think we really bottled them up great last year. You know, top 25 rushing defense last year, and I think we're only going to get be better this year. So, interesting to see how that works out. From a receiving standpoint, nobody caught more than five passes last week. Amika Amizi, uh, probably mispronounced his name, his, his initials are E.E., He's their leading receiver from a year ago. He caught five passes for 71 yards to lead the team last week. Uh, I really want to see what Emerson and Forbes can do to him. I'd like to see, you know, if we can lock those receivers up and force them to run the ball, uh, hopefully we can make them be a little bit more predictable. Um, Devin Carter is another receiver to watch out for. So what about all that, Lounge? Sticks out to you the most. What are some things that you think we're going to have to look out for Uh Amongst those lists of names, I know I didn't list any leading leading tacklers or anything like that. Just knowing that they play a three three five like us, even though it's different, knowing who to watch out for on offense. What is something you'd like to see on Saturday? Well, I know how the, the offensive line. I saw a tweet from Matt Wide earlier today. They have a combined like starting on the offensive line of like sixty sixty five games, such compared to us, which is like. In which we have like maybe like thirty. Yeah, I think we have twenty eight coming in to Louisiana Tech, and a lot of those aren't even at their current position. LaQuinston Sharp started a couple of games, but not at center. Uh, Cam Jones has started a few games, but not at guard. You know, so very interesting. Yeah, well, and I can see how these guys are. These running backs are like night and person are also effective out of the backfield catching the ball. So we got to be able to read our keys and being able to just stay with them, I guess. Because they look like they're multi-use bags. and put them out in the slot. Or, so, I mean, I'm impressed. 16 rushes for 163 yards. Even even if South Florida is bad, that's, that's dang impressive. That is pretty impressive, and and you said it already. South Florida's bad; like they're really bad. I don't expect them to have two hundred yard rushers next this weekend. You know, knock on wood. But you know, I love to knock on wood. But they are definitely really dangerous uh, from a defensive standpoint. You know what? For, I guess defensive standpoint for NC State. Um, do you, do you know anything else about them that you'd like that you think could trip us up or that you think we could take advantage of or what's something that our offense has to do better? I think obviously we have to do better in pass protection, but I mean, if they look at the stats, and they didn't have much, they weren't say they didn't produce that much of a pass rush. I mean, she made, we made Bob Tech look good last week, but 
I'm trying to get a little, a little more, a little bit in the run, just a little bit more, of course. But I know they, like you said, NC State likes to give up the big plays from time to time. I mean, can't can't go away from taking a shot. We need to take. Also, need to take a few more shots. This five to ten yards stuff it's not going to work forever. I see what you mean. Yeah, I'd like to see if, the, of course, if the offensive line can improve. But what, what can they communicate better? Are they are they going to have an easier time blocking a front that looks a lot like what they saw in practice for the first uh, three weeks of camp? You know, before they get into game prep, it's you know, Zach Garnett running his actual defense versus our actual offense. Is he going to be able to, or excuse me, is the offensive line going to be able to adjust to that and catch on rather quickly to? Uh, that difference in the that, excuse me that similarities between the two off defensive fronts. Like I said, they are a different three three five. It's not the same kind of deal. Um, they're going to go more base. They're not going to be as exotic from the blitzes and stuff like that. But they're they're going to cover up more. It's kind of their plan, which is why that run um, is they're a little bit susceptible to that run a little bit more. Going to be difficult for our offense to figure out. You know, if they're covering up a lot more, but probably less susceptible for high-scoring offenses to to run the way that they like to run. Better in the red zone. Um, you saw that they only allowed 23 points per game last year, so it's very interesting how that's going to work out. All right, keys to the game. Something I want to talk about What keys I had. I think we need to limit big plays is one of our first keys. Now, that being said, I've come to realize, and I, I almost – I don't want to say I realized this last weekend, but that's pretty much what I did, is in this aggressive defense, you're going to give up plays. I don't like to say that about last week because both of the big plays, I, I even watched a film breakdown, they were completely busted assignments. There there wasn't like we did the wrong thing. There were plays where we called the wrong thing to be aggressive or we went after somebody and got burned on it. You know, that happens in this defense, of course. The ones from last weekend, though, were, were just mental things. Now, that being said, this defense is going to give up some big plays. And NC State had a lot last week. They had five plays of longer than 30 yards. Um, that is a weakness in our defense. But if we can keep them to like five or less to uh, Saturday, I almost said tomorrow. By the time you listen to this, guys, it'll be tomorrow. It's Thursday night. But um, if we can limit them to five or less big plays, I think that can be very important. I think this is my biggest key right here. And it, I've got it listed second. Don't ask me why. But I think the most important thing that they could do is um, keep – NC State predictable. By that I mean win on first and second down. You don't want them to be in like second and short or third and short to where they can try a pass, they can maybe run to where you have to have guys guessing. You want to be able to have guys pinning their ears back. I mean that for every single team we play. Of course, you could say that for everybody. Uh, obviously, it's better to have third and eight than third and two. I mean, that, that's not exactly rocket science. You know, that's not breaking news. Despite all of Leary's talents, though, his QBR last week was only 57, and his, his career QBR is not much better. I don't think him especially, as good as he is, much of a game manager type he is, and he's very susceptible to you know, not win the game but also not give it away. That's kind of his, his wheelhouse there. If you get him in third and eight, third and ten, predictable passing downs, with you know that low QBR tells me I don't know if he's going to be able to perform up to snuff in those situations. Now, I told you he had the one pit game last year that was outstanding. I mean, you can't complain about it at all. He was, he, uh, I think he was the first quarterback since Russell Wilson to throw four picks without an interception. I mean, four touchdowns without an interception, which is fantastic. 
I don't think he is going to be able to – if we make him beat us, um, they'll just have to earn it. Uh, I think I think especially with their rushing threat, Zach Garnett, with the way that our cornerbacks are, are playing, the way that they don't have just the type of receiving threats that we have on our team, I think Zach Garnett's kind of uh, plan of action here is just going to be, look, we're, we're going to stop the run, kind of like Georgia last year. If you beat us, you beat us. Uh, I think that would work a little bit better. There's no JT Daniels or George Pickens on this team. I know I'm quoting other podcasts there if you listen to other ones. And, of course, the big key is the offensive line has to be better. We beat that horse to death. Limit turnovers and penalties. I don't know what happened last week with the penalties. And of course, turnovers, you know, that's going to be a – that's kind of a function of the offensive line. That You had Will scrambling on that pick six. I don't know where you get those fumbles from Austin Williams and Dylan Johnson from. Of course, that Dylan Johnson one wasn't much of a fumble. Uh, I don't. I think that was a wrong call, but I don't expect them to be have have slippery fingers. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but the penalties, man, you've got to holding penalties are killing us. Um, pre-snap penalties were killing us in the first half. Although in the second half, you clean those up a little bit. So I like to see if we can get those cleaned up. Those are drive killers this year and last year. They've been drive killers. So let's see. Uh, Gonna have to pull up a schedule real quick. If I, I got my internet back now, I don't know how that happened. But we need to pick the SEC schedule real quick. Are you ready? Ready. All right, SEC schedule week two. I want to see more. There's some interesting games this week, and I hope you got some of your hog fans listening. I really do, because we're gonna get to that game here in a minute. All right. I'm going to be typing these in as I uh, typing these in as I relay them to you because I haven't typed them in yet. So let's get that started here. So we got Alabama State versus Auburn. What do you think about that? Auburn. Both going to take blowout. both going to take Barn. Yeah, Auburn gets a couple tune-up games, but they have a much bigger game next week. All right, let's look here. South Carolina versus East Carolina. That is at East Carolina. If that changes anything for you. I'm, I'm going to go South Carolina. Yeah, that game might be close. Uh, South Carolina is, is gifted the fact that their non-conference schedule is pretty soft because uh, East Carolina has never been really a power threat in, in football as much as they have been in baseball. Very interesting game here. Pitt going to Tennessee. Interesting. I'm going to take Pitt, too. I thought we'd be different there. All right. Here's a very interesting game, not because of the result, but because Florida is going on the road to play an in-state school, something they never do, and they swore against doing. I know UCF is kicking themselves right now. Um, I'm sure South Florida is probably going to have to play two games in Gainesville to make up for that, though. Florida at South Florida. Give me the Gators. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem for Dan Mullins, the fighting Dan Mullins. Um, UAB at Georgia, where a lot of players are going to be missing for Georgia. JT Daniels might be one of them. Give me Georgia. Yeah, I think they got they got lucky that uh, JT Daniels think he'll be able to come back for the week after, but I don't know. Here's a very interesting one, too. Texas A&M at Colorado. Uh, A&M. Colorado didn't look great uh, in their season opener. 
Um, I think we're both going to pick Bama to beat Mercer. Yeah. That would be – that's just not happening. And here's probably, other than our game, the most interesting game on the, on this list, if you ask me. Number 15, Texas at Arkansas. Texas. Oh, just to be just to be different, I'm going to go Arkansas. All right, you're going to pick Arkansas. I'm going to pick Texas, so we're we're different there, at least on one pick. Uh, We'll pick the score of our game. We won't pick the game, which I mean we will. But Austin Pay at Ole Miss. I hate to do it two weeks in a row. Yeah, give me the sign. Hate that. Um, Missouri at Kentucky. Kentucky looked good last week, and Missouri really didn't. Oh, good. We have another different one. You're looking on my list. Well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put words in your mouth there. I typed it in what I thought he was going to say. Going to say yeah. Yeah, give me Kentucky. All right, so I didn't mean to put those words in the mouth. We're on a Google Doc. All right, I'm going to pick Missouri basically to keep it consistent from what I said in the beginning of the season. I think Missouri's pretty good. I don't really believe in Kentucky. You know, beating up on a very, very weak ULM squad last week. I know everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Will Levis is the answer. I, we've seen that movie before, okay? Just letting you know. We've seen that movie before. McNeese at LSU. Coach Ogeron's son is the quarterback at McNeese, oddly enough. That that's it's gonna be slightly awkward, I guess. I don't know how their family dynamics working out. I know they re- recently divorced his mother. So I, I don't know if they're on speaking terms or anything like that. I'm sure they are, but or well, I don't who knows, but kind of weird. And then we got this is not the most interesting game from just a pure quality standpoint, but one of the most interesting games on the schedule. Vanderbilt at Colorado State. Both teams lost to FCS schools last week. Colorado State didn't get blown out, but... I'll take Colorado State. I'm going to have to do it too, man. I I don't think Vanderbilt's got a shot open up on the road. If this game was at home, I might say it was Vanderbilt. These are two bad teams. You know, all three people that watch this game are probably going to want to find something else to do about halftime. Yeah. All right. A little bit of a shorter show today, but is there anything anybody wants to add? And by anybody, I mean you. <laughs> I want to say, show up, Starful, get ready to cheer up the calls and cheer to a victory. It's going to be a very – I think it's going to be a good game. Um, now, we do have to pick the score of our game, so not, not anything else yet, but – Hope everybody will show up. I make it a great atmosphere for our guests. I, I'm very excited to have NC State with us uh, this weekend. Um, games at six o'clock on ESPNU. What do you think the score is going to be? I'm going about thirty-one twenty-eight State. Got us winning thirty-one twenty-eight. I've got. I'm on. I'm gonna hurt us a little bit here. I could. I might change my pick come tomorrow. I'm going to say we, we passed this one up 27-21. Really? 
we're going to lose. So let me put that in there. So you've got the dogs winning 31-28. This, this is the game for the right to be called state, okay, because we're both referred to as state where we are at. So, All right. Anything else now? Nope. Now everybody can go back. Oh, well, I, I can't watch it anyway, so I wasn't in any hurry. But I'm glad we got you available. I'll keep up with it on my phone. Yeah, just really great to pre good to preview NC State. Um, I know we kind of zipped through there, but getting more action, a little more action, a lot less talk. Even though obviously it's a podcast, it's all talk, but not as much fluff as some of these uh, other ones. Getting kind of better at this. So we'll see y'all next time. We will be back on Monday um, to talk about. Uh, NC State. Probably get that recorded for y'all Sunday night, depending on what uh, Sunday night football and the fighting Carrie Underwoods are doing. Um, I guess it's still Carrie Underwood that sings the song, right? Or is it Miranda Lambert now? I don't know. It's, it's, it'll always be Carrie Underwood. Okay, good deal. Well, we'll uh, get back to y'all then on Monday uh, by Monday morning at the preview NC State. You can find Lounge Dog on Twitter at lounge underscore D-A-W-G. Go ahead and give him a follow. Uh, I'll send this to him so he can retweet this out to the world. And as always, swing your sword and hail state.